0: Hey guys we're so glad you're tuning into the apex students podcast we hope you enjoy this message from apex students and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like jesus hi guys uh, i'm not sure if i think i recognize if most of these faces but some of them are new like pastor chris, pastor chris said i'm jill and i've been here before so i kind of know how things work But um, I'm kind of out of this youth ministry doing other youth ministry in the area, and I'm also in Bible college and feeling a little old. But that's okay, that's okay. Tonight, I want to talk to you about expectations, and I'm really excited about that, and kind of the expectations we might have for 2021. I know, okay. But can we just like get a whoop whoop that we made it to 2021 and we made it out of 2020, okay? (laughs) Oh, I think that's pretty cool, especially with everything that's happened. It's finally a new year. Maybe you have some New Year's resolutions. I usually don't do that, but I like to hear what other people's are in case I want to do like a mid-year resolution or something. Um, Because, you know, so if you have one, talk to me after and we'll do some stuff. So I kinda wanna go through some pictures here real quick that might be a little bit funny about expectation versus reality. And I'm gonna try to see my slides through this fancy mirror that's like positioned. Pretty cool. Okay, so I picked this one. I am quite a fan of Frozen 2. I think it's better than Frozen 1. You can slay me afterwards but if you want to. But I love this because um, I can't even draw an eye. So let alone putting an eye on a cake. I think this reality deserves more credit than it is given. But I understand the circumstances. It's not like the other picture. And the second one... I just started doing Instagram again, and I feel like an old lady, because I'm asking my friends at college, how does this work? And some of the people I started following, I'm like, you know, they're not too far from Blake Lively here. They're looking pretty good, and I'm like, I gotta up my game. And then, and then you got Donald Trump hair, and that's kind of what my hair's looking like right now, but don't worry, God still loves the Donald Trump, version of, Donald Trump hair version of you. Sorry, <laughs> no, we're not gonna get into politics here. <laughs> Uh, This one I had to put on uh, first day of school because um, in third grade, I kid you not, I had more homework then than I did in college. (laughs) That that might be a lie. But however, my book bag was so heavy I couldn't carry it up the steps to get to my classroom. So I would just wait at the end of the steps and just be like, someone please take pity on me. I can't take this (laughs) up the stairs because I was like scrawny and small and not too far from where I am now. And I was just like... You know, you could feel bad for third grade Jill, too. It was pretty pretty bad. (laughs) And then I think the last one deserves a bit of a... This isn't the last one, never mind. Uh, I don't don't really know what this one is, but uh, you just have Steve Carell rocking a hat, and then this other guy, in my opinion, kind of rocking a hat, but he just has like that weird, I don't know, maybe he was trying to be an Instagram model and it didn't work out. But um, I think this guy looks pretty cool, so... We'll see about that. (laughs) This is the one that deserves some explanation. Uh, I love this so, so much. Um, So I don't know if you're, like, thinking about college yet, but Bible college is pretty cool. And, you know, you think that it's always, like, prayer and fellowship and, you know, you're finding Jesus all the time. And, you know, that does happen at Bible college. However, uh, wacky things also happen at Bible college, and that is the next picture Um, for... Uh, Halloween this year, I decided to uh, convince five out of the 32 girls in my dorm to dress goth with me and go to a graveyard and have a photo shoot. Uh, And then you wonder why I don't really have friends. Um, But this is the stuff I make my friends do. And um, it was was pretty exciting, actually, because we were doing each other's makeup, and some of these girls didn't own the color black in their wardrobe, and I'm like, oh, my. I'm like, okay, well, here's mine. And um, we just had a blast, and I was told not to post this picture on social media because they're, the, the picture is totally not like them. They're the sweetest girls ever. So please don't take a picture and post it because then they'll come after me. Sure. <laughs> but in all reality here, we're going to talk about expectations for real. And the kind of loaded question here is, what is your expectation of God? Whew. Okay, don't answer that. What is your expectation of God when you're going through something rough? How about... Um, When you're going through a painful situation, whether that be emotionally or physically, you kind of expect God to say, or to get you out of the situation kind of quickly, right? But what happens when he doesn't work in the time frame that you want him to? I think it's the unsaid um, quote that, you know, our expectation is once we become saved, um, once we turn from dark to light, that life's going to be pretty okay. Sure, there'll be some like tough spots here and there, but for the most part, God's got us, and we don't have to worry about too much trouble. Well, in John 16, God says we're going to have trouble in this world. Darn. Okay, so now what, right? And that takes us to our study in Hebrews 12, which is going to be reasons to endure The context of this chapter and this book is the author is writing to Jewish Christians, aka the Hebrews, and it's during a time of persecution, and they were in danger of drifting away from their faith and back to Judaism. And guess what? Temptation, struggles, persecution, this is part of the Christian life. And through faith, we are able to um, endure these times, these special circumstances. The author pointed out three resources in order to encourage Christians when we're going through difficult times. And that sets the stage for the perfect sermon. We like to talk in threes. And that is Christ's example, the assurance of God's love, and that God's grace enables us. In verse one to three, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Christians should run this race with endurance because Christ did. Endurance, as the world sees it, is suffering patiently. And a great example of this is a freaking COVID-19 test. Oh my gosh, have any of you gotten a COVID-19 test? That thing is painful and uncomfortable, and I had to get one on Monday in order to go back to school. I'm good, everything's fine, but oh my gosh. You know, the doctor is so patiently, nonchalantly, just like shoving this thing up my nose, and he's I'm like, ugh, and he's like, oh, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I'm fine, just get this over with. And now he had not did one nostril, but two nostrils, and I was not expecting that at that point. I thought I got gypped, because all my other friends were like, I only had one done, and I'm like, What? I sat there for an extra 15 seconds? I'm like, I better be extra negative now, for crying out loud. But this is not the endurance that the author is talking about in Hebrews. In Greek, this translates to upomone, which is a constant or steadfast endurance. The wordy definition might be, it's not a patience which sits down and accepts things, but a patience which masters them. It's determination, it's unhurrying yet undelaying and refuses to be deflected. In Acts 20, 24, Paul pictures himself as a runner who had to finish his race, and nothing would keep Paul from finishing this race with joy. So God calls us to finish our race with joy, but that only happens with endurance. The Greek word for race is agona, which is used to convey conflict or struggle of many kinds. We often see a race as a track runner or a car race. And that's kind of what we want to picture. And oftentimes, Paul even compares the Christian life to a race. We see that in Philippians and Colossians and 1 Thessalonians. Charles Spurgeon said that God stands with us at the starting point. He earnestly says to us, not just run, but let's run. He's not blowing the whistle and watching you go. He's running there with you. So the first step in running this race is getting rid of the obstacles. I feel like that might be kind of obvious. But in verse 1, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So throwing off everything that hinders. That's everything that hinders our progress towards running towards God and being mature in the faith. Some of these things might be seen as good. They're not necessarily sins. Uh, A good example of this might be this past semester, I decided to take on seven different activities on top of my 18-credit schedule. And these were all good things, writing um, a job, leadership roles. And then I found out that at the end of the day, I was completely burned out. I didn't have time to read my Bible, or I was like, oh, did I even talk to God at all today? And I didn't have time to encourage people like I like, and I just was hindering my progress whatsoever. So I found out I was better at two to four things and taking my time. Mm -hmm. It is said that a good athlete chooses not between bad or good, but between better and best. So maybe that's something to pray about tonight if there's anything that might be hindering your progress. The Christian life involves effort and commitment. Being passive never wins the race. So how do we do this? And that is by Christ's example. Verse two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus is called the finisher. This brings about the idea that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion, right? Philippians 1.6. You don't get saved and then all of a sudden Jesus checks off the list. and He's like, cool, thanks bro. See you later. Mm, not exactly, right? He stays beside us. He helps us and he disciplines us. And most of the time, that comes through trials. Step two is to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to trust Him. You ever go bowling? Probably not recently because everything's closed. Um, but the first time I went bowling, I had to put those bumper guards up because, you know, they just kept going in the gutter and it wasn't working. So when we're picturing Jesus and want to focus on Him, we want to get to that strike, right? We can't keep looking to the side and getting all distracted, so we're going to put up those guards. It's easy to get distracted by problems and comparisons in 2020, but, you know, we want to keep our focus on Jesus, letting him be our focus, our inspiration, and our example. Jesus is the ultimate example of Christian endur- endurance. Jesus took the pain of the cross because he knew what was next, and we need to have the same mentality during our trials. Now, I know that's tough, but let's remember that Jesus had to endure a lot. At his own synagogue in Nazareth, people wanted to kill him. The religious leaders constantly tried to trap and embarrass him, like, can you imagine how exhausting that is? With all the questions they threw at him. They lied about Jesus. He was betrayed by one of his own disciples, and he was mocked and beaten and his own people cried out against him, crucify him. When Jesus was on earth though, he lived by faith. He still had to trust God day by day. The fact that Jesus prayed means that he lived by faith. Take note of this. While he was on earth, he did not use his divine powers for himself. Think about when he was in the desert for 40 days. Satan still tempted him, But he endured by the Lord's faith. He kept his eyes on the joy set before him, his resurrection and his exaltation. Now, the assurance of God's love. Verses 5 and 6 says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Chastening, in this sense, means instructions or discipline. The writer viewed the trials of the Christian life as a spiritual discipline that any believer that can help any believer mature. And I doubt you're all done cooking. I know I'm still getting baked, so. If you don't know what that means, talk to me later. When we're suffering, man, is it so easy to fall back on the idea that God does not love us. And that's exactly what the devil wants you to believe. But quite the opposite is true. The author gives proof for God's love in this passage. The verses that we just read are actually a pull from Proverbs, verses 3, 11 through 12. When the people stopped reading the word, the Hebrews, well, they lost their encouragement. So if you're not constantly in the word, you're going to lose some encouragement. And know that the fact that God is chastening us means that we can mature even more, and that we are mature. He doesn't want us to be, write this down, pampered babies, right? Okay, God wants you to become mature adult sons and daughters and give you life's responsibilities that you can be trusted with those. He also gives us personal experience. Uh, a father only disciplines his own children. So remember, when you're being chastened, that means that that is proof that you are indeed his child. So I hope you are comforted by that. And you know, we should want to be corrected. We don't want to sit in our own sins. We don't want to be pampered babies who sit in our own poop. I hope I can say that. That's what we're going with, right? The father corrects us because we want to be able to revere him. He wants us to obey his will, and that's what we want to. When we backslide and fall away from God's word, uh, we often need some kind of trial so we can kind of get that whole knock on the head and we're like, oh yeah, God, I really do need you because I can't do this. Because too often, you know, we get all our pampered baby on and we're all like, you know, nah, I'm good, Jesus, I don't need you, life is good for me, I'm an independent woman, never mind, you know, stuff like that. And then we see the blessed results God does not enjoy seeing us suffer. I really, really hope you know that, okay? Do you ever, like, you know, your parents are disciplining you, and then they say, it hurts me more than it hurts you, and you're like, yeah, right. But I do believe that. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I'm sure that's how it goes. That Picture God saying that, too. Um, know that the benefits are profitable. It often encourages us to go back to God's word, to pray, to witness, and it often leads to a new joy. God allows everything that happens, okay? But that does not mean that God is the author of evil. Mm -hmm. He certainly has the power to stop bad things, and I think sometimes we question why he doesn't. But the good news is that he can use the wrong choice you made, the wrong choice somebody else made, and make that turn to good for his purpose. One great reason the discouragement among these Jewish Christians was happening was because they saw no reason for why God would allow difficult times to arise. Well, then this kind of takes me back to James, which this book is just conviction station all over again. And right off the bat, when you open the book, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds and you're just, you just want to close the book after that. Um, but then he tells you why. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let's, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's where we want to be at the end of our race. So what should our response be? God's grace is what enables us. He explains in verse 14 that at the end of this, his goal is to have peace with all men and holiness before the Lord. God's grace does not fail, but we often fail to take advantage of it. God's grace does not fail, but we often fail to take advantage of it. Right now, he wants you to look beyond the process to the result. God has a purpose for training you. I think of David when he was being attacked by a lion when he was just a boy tending sheep. And I could just picture him being like, God, why did you allow this to happen? I barely escaped with my life. But he didn't know that soon after, there was this giant named Goliath that he was going to fight, and this prepared him for that. God has a purpose. We can trust him. So as we wrap up here, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about this sick woman deal that I do. Right, uh, every week I start a devotional, write some encouragement down, and part of this devotional is to talk about, let's get practical, and that's my application process. And I think sometimes we read the Bible, and it's like, oh yeah, that's encouraging, but what do I do with it, right? So what do you do with all this that I just word vomited onto you? Uh, And the first thing is Thanksgiving. And that's really rough sometimes when you're in the thick of things and chaos and you have like that one friend that's like, oh my gosh, it's fine. Oh, I'm sure there's something to be thankful for. And you're just like ready to punch them because you're just like, you have no idea what I am dealing with. And they're probably, they honestly probably have no idea what you're dealing with, but they're they're trying to help. So you might just want to let them you know, control your fists. Um, but it's true, Thanksgiving works. And it even says in the Bible in all, to thank God in all circumstances. So I start to think, okay, I have shoes on my feet and I have some clothes. And did you have dinner tonight or lunch? Do you have a coat that when you go outside that, you know, you won't be super cold? Do you have legs that could probably carry you down the end of the hill if that you wanted to? Those are things to be thankful for. And I know you don't really want to think about that when everything else is going wrong. But you start with the small things. And once you start training your mind, thanking God for the small things, you kind of start seeing life in a new light. Also, remind yourself why. Why am I enduring? Christ died for you, and he endured a lot before he did that so we should want to endure for him. It'll probably never be to the capacity that he did for us, but it's through those little things. I also don't want you to stroll, meander, or wander about aimlessly. Run as if that finish line is right up there, and everything is hanging on it. And I want you to picture God with one of those like, fan hats with like the number one dad and he's like really proud of you and he's got confetti and a megaphone and he's just like, you can do it, you can do it, you're almost there, oh my gosh, keep going. It's in those moments when you're just, you've just had it and you're just like, God, I don't wanna do this anymore. What is the reason for all this? That he is egging you on to keep going. Whatever God is asking you to walk through right now, he has a purpose for. You may not see it right now, and you might not see it afterwards. Sometimes we do, and sometimes he allows us to see why we just walked through that, and that's pretty encouraging. Keep that in your back pocket to encourage you for next time. Sometimes he doesn't show you. You might not know until we're in heaven, but I want to let you know that I, you should not sit down and accept what you're going through. Fight for joy. Remember that endurance, the endurance we want masters these trials. Live by faith even when you feel faithless. Once you accept God into your heart, when you repent, Jesus embeds this hope into your soul. And I hope you have that, and if you don't have that, that you would talk to someone here tonight who has that. And overall, be determined to finish the race before you. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you for tonight, for the opportunity to speak, and for students who are willing to listen. I pray that whatever they're going through right now, that you would be with them and encourage them, that you would reach out to them, whether that be um, in a Bible verse, in uh, a friend, and let them know that they are not alone and that you are with them and that you are egging them on to finish this race and to do it joyfully and that you have instilled hope in each and every one of us. Thank you so much for dying on the cross and dying for our sins and forgiving us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.